Welcome to the Drop Time Report. Turn up the volume and listen to amazing stories about big bucks and the hunters who harvested them. Here is your host, outdoor writer, Tracy Breen. Welcome to the Drop Time Report. I'm your host, Tracy Breen. On this week's show, we're going to have Adam LaRoche. Adam spent 12 years in Major League Baseball as a first baseman, and he is also one of the hosts of the Buck Commander. Adam lives in Kansas with his wife and kids and loves hunting and the outdoors as much as he loves baseball. And I think you're going to hear that in the interview, just how much he loves chasing bucks, how much he loves uh, introducing new people to the sport of hunting and just having his whole family involved in the outdoor lifestyle. Uh, But before we get Adam on the show, I want to thank our sponsors, a title sponsor, Redneck Blinds, Fourth Arrow Camera Arms, Winsent, Morel Targets, Grim Reaper Broadheads, Lucky Buck Mineral, Pine Ridge Archery, Wilderness Athlete, and Illinois Connection. And now let's get Adam on the phone. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you today? Oh, Tracy, I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. You sitting on your ranch this morning? Oh, I sure am. I sure am, bud. Enjoying um, the good life? Uh, yeah, man. It's been uh, it's been really busy, but no complaints. You know, no I was complaints. talking to Grant. I was talking to Grant yesterday, and he said, "You baseball guys uh, think you're going to retire and sit on the back porch and drink coffee, but for some reason that that never seems to happen." Is that true? Man, I'm telling you, it's uh. It has gotten busier. I don't know if everybody's the same way, but yeah, it has gotten busier and busier since we're, I'm busier now than I had a job. That's for sure. Now, now, what year was your your last year of baseball? Uh, my last year was fifteen. Okay, so so I would so I retired in the spring of sixteen. So is it safe to say you're deer hunting a little more now? Um, honestly, it's probably about the same. One okay. Of the, one of the beauties of baseball, and I'm glad that uh, that's the sport that uh, that I was able to do and not one of the other ones because it falls perfectly in line with being able to hunt just about all of the deer season. So Okay. I feel sorry for okay. my... NFL friends that are deer hunters that uh, don't get to partake in that. So, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. We'd always be done. You know, typically if we weren't in the postseason, we'd be done, you know, beginning of October. And then within probably two days, we're in the tree stand. So we didn't do <laughs> okay. much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, in the last couple of years, you've killed some slammers. Um, and I, I want to maybe focus on a couple of those. Uh, Grant was telling me you killed a really nice drop time buck here recently. Um, tell us that tale, if you will. Tell us about that buck, you know, what he scored and, and maybe the history you had with him. Yeah, you bet. Are we, um, are we, are we rolling now or? We're, we're rolling. We're rolling, buddy. Yeah, we're rolling. Oh, we're, we're good. Awesome. Yep. Well, you know, on on a typical year, we go into the season having a pretty good idea of, of what bucks we're after. Obviously, now with cameras, 
which that's a whole nother discussion. Um, that there's, there's days when I, I miss the, the no camera days where everything was a surprise and sure, you know, you didn't have bucks named and aged and, you know, see them hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Um, but on the other hand, it obviously, if, if you're hunting a, a good sized property, it's, uh, it's handy to be able to zero in on a on a specific location and kind of focus your efforts there. And this drop time buck was, <clears throat> we saw him. I want to say, I want to say when the season was open. I mean, there was no early season pictures. He came out of nowhere and nobody recognized him. You know, I've got. I'm, I'm not the smartest individual, but. Mikey Miller, my camera guy, is typically the one that is running cameras and just—I mean, he these these deer, he's got them. He just he recognizes deer from well, yeah, and he just recognizes deer from you know year after year, and just has an eye for that. And we're looking at this deer, and we know we knew he was huge and he was mature, but couldn't couldn't put a finger on who he was or where he came from. So you know, we start hunting him and. It was not easy. I'll say we, uh, like any of these old mature deer, uh, it just, it doesn't matter what the cameras tell you. It, it never goes as planned. And, uh, you know, they just, they have a knack for slipping out, but we, we hunted him probably two months. And, and I want to say during that two months, I saw him on the hoof twice, maybe, maybe three times. Um, so is he just pretty much nocturnal then, or just slipping around you during daylight? I mean, what what was no, he doing? No, during that whole time. You no, know, this is, this is basically all of November and October. Um, part of December, I think. We're no, we're seeing him on camera. So he's still he's still daylight on camera, and then it gets you thinking, man, is it is it where we're parking? Is it how we're walking into the stand? Do we need to come in from? Do we need to hunt a different stand or hang a different stand? So you can imagine when you're, you know, playing this chess game every day, you're you're constantly trying to figure out, you know, why why was he showing up two out of three days? And then you know we get the right wind and go in there a hundred a couple times, and he's nowhere in sight. So start shifting our game plan a little bit um with no luck and again a couple months go by and we still know he's in that in the vicinity um the rut is is full swing and he is you know expanded and now he's showing up all over the place and kind of a crapshoot and uh one morning and, and it's interesting because mikey will never give me his opinion on where we're gonna hunt so he, he did <laughs> He lives on the ranch and every morning, five o'clock, whatever, um, I'll go down there and, you know, Mikey, what are you thinking today? I don't know, you know, up to you, up to you. So I just got, I've been with the guy 10 years and I just know that like I make the decision on where we go because Mikey just kind of goes with the flow. And for whatever reason, I go down there one morning to the barn where he's at and uh, I don't know why I ask because I know the answer every day is up to you. And I asked him what he thought, and he's like, you know what, we need to go to this specific spot. And I was kind of shocked, and since I never hear his opinion on anywhere we need to hunt, I I immediately went with it. And it's not what I was thinking. It's not where I was going to go. And so so I said, perfect, let's let's try it. And um, and we go park and, and slip in there and like one of those weird it was it, it should have been cold that time of year um i can't i can't remember the specific date um 
should have been cold. It was hot and windy. You know, typically one of those mornings where you kind of wake up and you're thinking, well, it's not even worth it. Um, nothing as far as the elements go is in our favor, except we had a good wind for this particular stand. So we said, well, we'll okay. go, we'll go give it a shot. And I just, we just got in the tree and I mean, it was, it wasn't, it couldn't have been an hour that we were there. And, uh, I peek over and he's in bow range coming up the, coming up the creek bed and, uh, he cruises right up to the hill and a little food plot that we were sitting on. And he had a, we had a kind of a solo young oak out in the middle of this food plot that uh, had some had some scrapes around it, and he just made a line for that, and, you know, crossed in front of us at 20 yards. So it just incredible. You couldn't have drawn it up any better. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And he's one of those bucks that, and he went down, which is always nice to uh, to get rid of any doubt that you might not have killed him. He ended up going down you know, within about 40 yards from where I shot him. So we got to see all that. Um, and obviously went, went crazy there in the stand um, after a two-month grind of, of chasing one specific deer to to finally get it done was pretty cool. But he's one of those that when we got up to him, he actually grew. And that's always a good sign. You know what I mean? When, you get, when you're walking <laughs> yeah. up, they get bigger and bigger. And I'm like, golly. And I don't, uh, what did he score? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the last few years, I don't know that I've put a tape on any of my deer. Um, gosh, maybe in the last four or five years. And so the same on this one, but we had him on, on camera. You're thinking, well, he's easy. He's easy in the seventies. Like he may even go 80. And uh, sure enough, a few days later, a couple of our camera guys put a tape on him, and, and he came out at 191. Wow. Um, okay. So just a giant, you know, basically all typical, except for this, uh, except for this drop time he had. So we go back. Mikey goes back and starts looking at pictures. And, and what's really cool here, and we we actually learn we learned quite a bit. Um, the year before. He was probably, he was probably in like the, he might've went 140 and okay. the year before that. So then he starts going back and finds him two years before. And he was like, and I totally forgotten about him because we had very few pictures, but he was like in the sixties. So, so you from, think he actually, he went downhill a year? No doubt. No doubt. And I don't know, you know, we had a, we had a little bout of the EHD go through, um, could have been malnourished, could have got injured, but it was just, it just showed that, you know, if, if, if we would have shot him the year before when he's in the forties and, and mature, and, you know, you could look at a deer that maybe he's an eight or a 10 pointer and went down and thinking, okay, he's a coal, you know, he needs to, he needs to go because the culling is the big thing, you know, over the sure. last however many years and we just need to be careful that we don't use that as an excuse to pull the trigger because that was a perfect example he went from really big and dropped down 20 inches and then you know from there he puts on 50 inches in a year so yeah something happened there where it wasn't a genetic thing um obviously the genes were there to be to be a monster um he just had a down year and 
you know, fortunately we didn't have a lot of info on him and kind of just disregarded it and, and no big deal. And then he just popped. So yeah, we kind of learned there that, that just to make sure, you know, if you're thinking that a, that a deer genetically is inferior to make sure and, and do your, do your research and homework on that before you go pull the trigger. How many years old do you think he was when you shot him? Oh, we think he's probably, I think he's probably in the six, seven range. Okay. Okay. See, that's yeah. pretty consistent really with, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Lee Lakoski about the same thing and, and he was mentioning that, you know, the big buck he shot this year, same thing, you know, grew 40, 50 inches in one year. So it seems, you know, from five to six or six to seven, there's this magical moment where they go poof, you know. Unfortunately, most deer uh, don't live long enough to, to reach that potential. Man, Lee Lee is dead on, and, and if there's anybody that would that could speak on that, it would be him. He's been doing it forever and, and one of the best at, at managing deer. And and I agree, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, we'll have deer that are that are really big at four or five, and you know, sometimes tough month or two months, and you kind of give in and and shoot them. It's still, awesome deer, um, but we've also seen it enough that, gosh, it seems like the older they get, the more impressive they get. Um, we've had deer that we've shot that are just really old that maybe we couldn't catch up with for a couple of years, and. And sure, maybe they're you know maybe they were a ten or eleven pointer, and now they're a nine pointer. But still, just the mass they put on and the, and the character. So I, I don't I don't ever want to look at a deer and think we need to kill him because he's going to be smaller next year. You know what I mean? We try to look at it like is he has he reached you know or really close to as big as he can get. Um, and, sure. and not just inches wise, but mass and kind of everything. And then, you know, some of those big deer, the longer you can wait and, and, and get them to, uh, to breed and spread those genes is, is always a bonus too. So there's a, there's a few things that come into play there. Now, when you've hunted a deer, you know, this many months in a row, had you kind of made the decision that we're killing him or, or I'm not filling my tag. Is that, did you kind of draw that line in the sand or eventually were you going to just switch gears if you had to? No, no, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I get, I don't know what the word for it is, but I don't know if it's greedy or stubborn, but yeah, I kind of get, <laughs> I kind of get stuck on a deer and, and it doesn't take too long before it becomes like, it becomes personal and, and I'll shoot, I'll, I'll go to bed thinking about it. We'll wake up looking at maps and weather patterns, you know, you name it. And um, we kind of set our sights on, usually there's a couple of deer every year um, that we'll kind of zero in on, uh, especially on the Kansas side. Um, you know, it, um, it's nice here because the ranch is, is split, um, Kansas and Missouri, so we can we can bounce back and forth and hunt, which which makes it really nice. Okay. Okay. Now in this particular deer, obviously, uh, you're used to high pressure situations being a major league baseball player and having to deal with all that kind of pressure. Uh, does, because you had to deal with high pressure in sports, um, when you see this buck that you've been waiting for for several months, uh, is it pretty easy for you to just come to full draw and drill them or, or, you know, does buck fever get you just as bad as everybody else? 
Heck yes, it gets me. I, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish baseball and and playing in that arena would uh, would translate. And maybe it does some, but I mean, for the most part, it's they're really two different things. You know, baseball is a one. It's a you're getting a shot every night at a deer, so you're not you're not. I'm not going a month or so. Um, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're in a game every night. It's more of a reactive, um, not a ton of time to think about it. Um, you know, deer hunting is you're going after this specific animal, uh, fully aware that when I leave the house to go get in the stand, there's a really good possibility that we're not going to see him. Like, like you try to be optimistic and try to think positive, but reality is, you know, especially with these mature deer, you go out and if if you lay eyes on them a couple times a month, you know that's that's a pretty good month on a really old yeah. deer. So, you know, you just you, you try to go through your checklist every morning, make sure you don't get lazy and you know forget something that you might need, and and check all where where noises might come from in your safety system, and go through all that because you never know when that world-class deer is going to step out. So we just, we, we try to take the mentality that, you know, every time we get in a tree, like, like if we knew that we were going to get a shot at a giant, how would we prepare for that? And, and I just, I try to replay that in my mind to make sure I stay consistent with it, but no. And, and it's even tougher if you got to watch them for five minutes or 30 minutes or, you know, where you can, you can actually, start to start talking yourself into some negative thoughts you know fortunately this happened all in about 20 seconds um okay that's awesome yeah 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 when it goes quick like that it doesn't give you time to uh, think about the bad things that could go wrong it doesn't it sure doesn't man it's it's such a mental it's such a mental thing every year I do it some, and every year I've got buddies that you just hear the stories of, of the little things that go wrong in bow hunting, and and that's why I'm just that's why I'm in love with it. I love shooting a yeah, rifle. Yeah. I love going out and and whatever, taking the bolt gun and the AR out and shooting steel, and occasionally hunting with it. But but there's nothing like bow hunting, uh, you know, any animals, but but specifically the whitetail. So give us your uh, practice regimen. I know your guys are are connected with morel targets. Um, are you, are you shooting, you know, all through season? I think one mistake many bow hunters make is once opening day comes, they're focused on hunting and they don't practice as much. Are you pretty disciplined at, at regularly shooting at targets all season long? You know, I, I try to be, um, but but I don't I don't know that I take a whole lot of time off just because I enjoy shooting. So during the summer. You know, if it's if it's running into some some three D competitions or just shooting out here at the ranch or having buddies out, we'll do some. We've got a youth camp coming up. Um, we'll bring some kids out and kind of introduce them to bow hunting or through the church. We may do some you know father son stuff. So yeah, we we try to stay active. And I'll tell you what I'm a big fan of is I, I hunted. Gosh, I don't know what year it was. I hunted a few years ago. So I guess it's been quite a few years ago now with uh, Cameron Haynes out in, okay. Colorado, <clears throat> in Colorado chasing elk, and he started talking to me about this about this double distance practice. And um, you know, I'm watching him, and he's he's shooting arrows at I don't know back then 100, 120 yards or something. I'm thinking, man, that's kind of yeah, kind of ridiculous. You know, you're never gonna 
most likely you're never going to take a shot out there. And, and so we just start talking about it. And, and, and I'm a big believer now that if you're planning on shooting at 40, 50, 60 yards, that if you double that in practice. So the last few years when I've been, you know, really, really working out at a hundred, it, it makes that 50, you know, 40 or 50 seem like it can't miss, which just breeds confidence, which, you know, makes your, uh, you know, just, just makes you a lot more successful. You know, it, it tightens those groups up for you. So it's such a mind thing. When I remember as a kid, you're shooting at 10 yards and, you know, dad finally lets you go back to 20 and you're looking at it and you're like, gosh, there's no way. I mean, I'm, I'll be lucky if I don't lose half my arrows. You get good at 20 and then all of a sudden 20 is now you go to 30 and, you know, so it's, it's such a confidence thing. So if you can, you know, you're not going to pattern, you're not going to probably group really tight at a hundred yards. But the point is what, just what it does to your eye is, you know, then you move back in and it, it's just a really good thing. I think it can create really good habits. It's uh it's a good way to expose bad habits and, and learn kind of what you need to tweak with your mechanics um, or, or equipment. Um, so yeah, the last few years I've been a huge fan of that. A few years ago, I actually, I interviewed Cameron Haynes for an article and, and he said to me, you know, everybody's in love with calling a bull in real close, but he said, I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, I would rather shoot a relaxed bull at 50 or 60 yards who is feeding than a bull that comes screaming into 20 yards and he's looking for me. Um, and there's a, a lot to be said for that. You know, when, when a bull is looking for you at 20, 30 yards and he's all amped up, it's harder mm. to possibly get that shot where if he's at 60 yards and just eating grass, uh, if you're confident at that distance, it's really probably an easier shot to make. I agree, I agree with them. And, and I don't have near the experience on bulls that Cam does, but yeah, there's something there. And I, and I think it changes kind of what we do too. I, I think when we, when we have an animal come in and he's alert and he know, you know, he's, he's in tight, but he's on edge. Yeah. I think it can put us on edge and, and we can change some things in our mechanics. We're not quite as relaxed. Um, and just real easy to rush a shot. So, so I'm with him. You know, if they're out there at 50 yards feeding and you've got time to really gather yourself, make sure everything's dialed in, get in good position and, you know, execute the mechanics of it. Um, I would say the percentages are pretty good. Now, have you, uh, to switch gears back to maybe land management a little bit, you, ha you have your ranch there. Um, and, and now you're retired from baseball. Are you really diving into the land management aspect to grow deer as big as you can get them? Um, you know, and kind of what is your, your regiment? Are you putting in food plots and, and passing younger deer? Uh, do you have a land manager? What, what is your play there? We do. We do. And I've been, I've been really blessed. Uh, even, even the years I was playing ball for, you know, I was gone for 15, 16 years. Uh, always had a couple guys here that, that I've known forever. Um, one of them was one of my close friends growing up in high school. Another one's my father-in-law. They both live on the ranch and they've really just nailed that for me every year. Um, I kind of lay it out, help guide them through it, do some of the research on what we're going to plant or, uh, you know, how we're going to manage it. But those guys go out and they're really the ones that, uh, 
uh, especially back then we're kind of boots on the ground and, and making that happen but yeah we do we, we go we try to get in as much year-round food as we can um up here in kansas we do a a lot of of corn and soybean um and kind of rotate those so if it's you know, two if it's a if it's a twenty acre field, we may go ten acres in beans, ten acres in corn, and then flop those every year. Um, okay. You know, some of your smaller kill plots, we've been going to uh, a lot of clovers and alfalfas, and then we'll always mix in some some fall stuff, some fall plantings of a you know turnip or brassica or oats, wheat. You know, we'll just kind of experiment there, but. Yeah, the goal being just to try to get them as much nutrition as possible because I, I, you know, I believe that they got to get that. The, the faster you can get that body condition up, the faster that the the, the nutrition is going to start going into their horns. Um, so not only can you grow some big deer, but you've also just, you know, overall have a have a healthier herd. Um, we we try to shoot we try to shoot does. You know, we we. Um, as far as the bucks go, I've actually gotten actually gotten softer in my old age. And I think if you talk to some of the buck commander guys, they would say that I was uh, probably a little little too crazy about it early on when I was younger about you know making sure we don't screw up and shoot younger deer. I've the, the last couple of years I've been able to start doing some some wounded vet hunts, <clears throat> which is sure. kind of one of my and one of my passions here the last couple of years is having those guys out. So I, I, I don't want to restrict them as much as I do myself. So it never fails. You know, we end up shooting some deer that probably could get bigger, but, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the biggest deer that one of these veterans has ever seen, um, and just kind of makes their day. Are you doing that with Tron Peterson or are you doing something independent from him? Yeah, I know you're not yeah. far from him. No, I've been able to go over and work with Tron some. Um, I, I linked up a few years ago with a group called Combat Warriors out of Texas. Uh, we get to go down and help them. And so just through, you know, I've got a, we've got our foundation, the E3 Foundation. Um, a big part of that goes to, to hosting these guys to come out. And we'll usually bring them six, eight, ten guys at a time and uh, bring them out. And, and the, our small town here, is, our community here has been great as far as, you know, finding guides and enough land and food and all that has been has been pretty easy. So, yeah, between Tron and a few other organizations and just having a lot of buddies that have served, um, we end up finding some guys that we can bring out and, and, uh, and serve them for a change. Now, you're talking eight or ten hunters. Uh, what is the success rate on some of those hunts? I mean, are you, you know, nine for ten, ten for ten? How do, how does that roll out? Oh gosh, it's been it's been really good. Um, again, obviously, not all these are five, six, seven year old deer. Um, I would say probably it to average it probably eighty percent overall. Okay. Um, you know, when those guys come out, we've, we've got a big uh, turkey one here coming up. We'll, we'll typically do a couple during turkey season and then try to mix in a, a predator hunt, some deer hunt. And I'm just, uh, I, I love hunting out here. I love having our crew out and filming out here. But man, the old, the old saying, it feels better to give than to receive is, uh, is so true. So um, that, that honestly, that's, 
really the highlight of my year when we get to have these groups out and and just love on them a little bit and uh, show our appreciation. Yeah, obviously you're a man of God. I've I've read a bit about you over the years, especially when you left baseball and how you kind of you know just just walked away at a time when most people wouldn't. Kind of tells a little bit about who you are. Uh, how does your faith? Um, I guess keep you grounded. You know, you look at most athletes today, and and uh, let's face it, most of them don't make the headlines for for good reasons. And then in the hunting industry, we have plenty of superstars that sometimes get themselves in trouble. And you've taken, I guess, a lower key approach um, and keep it all in perspective. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Well, that has taken uh, that is still still years of uh of trying to figure that out and, and i still got a ways to go but yeah man, i i just I, I really believe that we're here to do way more than just go to school get a job raise a family you know retire somewhere um i i think you you sum up the whole bible and i get is that we are here to to love god and to love each other serve God and serve each other. And and I try to take that approach with my kids. I try to take that approach with my the, the high school baseball team here that I coach and really just try to push you know, our, our character and, and morals and values. And I, I got to speak here recently. I think it was last week. I got to speak at the Kansas Bill Hunters Association, kind of their annual banquet. And I was just talking to the group there about uh, – and kind of like we were talking earlier about that drop time buck, and, and I spent a lot of time in the tree this year thinking about a, a deer we were after, which actually a, a neighbor ended up killing, um, and just huge. Yeah, this was this past year. We hunted him for, I don't know, a month and a half, and 200-something inch, you know, giant. But I started thinking about, man, of, of all the big animals I've been able to kill, it feels awesome right afterwards. And maybe feels great for a few days or a week or even a month, but then just the human kind of just the the broken side of us goes right back to you know what's next. Like like it's never good enough. Yeah. And I I realize yeah. that sports. I realize that with our finances that like there's never. I don't know that there's ever been like a worldly goal that I've set and reached it and been totally satisfied. And it's no different with pursuing animals. You know, we go after it and we get it done and it's awesome and we get to go get the thing mounted, bring it back and stare at it every day and you know, show our buddies. And But it doesn't take long before we're on to the next thing. And I just, I'm, I'm convinced that, that that there's there's nothing on this, on this earth, nothing worldly that will satisfy us and, and, and fill that hole in our heart that we're all born with. Than, than filling that with the Lord. And, sure, and, absolutely. And, 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 you know, you, you start to do that, and, and that's kind of my pursuit now, is that is the ultimate freedom and peace and joy in your life, which not, not that you're not still going to have issues, not that you're, you or your kids or people are never going to get sick again or you're not going to you know, have job issues or struggle financially, but through those, you know, no matter what the circumstances, you, you can find peace and, and freedom in it. So, 
uh, I'm convinced, man. I've, I've tried it all. We we try it with with drugs, with alcohol, with status, with money, sex, um, and it's just that it all leads to a dead end. Uh, I think we're. I think that's part of part of growing is uh, and getting older is is realizing that those things just don't don't do it. Sure, absolutely. You know, it reminds me. Uh, uh, one of my mentors, Dwight Shue, who was the editor of Bowhunter Magazine, he once a time, once upon a time, wrote an article uh, that said the title of it was uh, "Relationships Mean More Than Dead Animals." Um, and unfortunately, in our industry, I, sometimes I think we get it backwards, and and relationships are sacrificed uh, for the sake of a big buck, a big bowl, whatever it is. Uh-huh. And and like you and like you said, shortly after the animal's dead and his body's you know barely cold and rigor mortis is hardly set in, uh, we're already looking at the next one. We are, we are, man. It's uh, I guess that's just part of it, and, and I agree with him. I think uh, you get to, and, and I'm guilty of it. Being you know coming from sports and being competitive, it's real easy to get out there and lose perspective. Um, and that's why I gotta constantly remind myself that, you know, this isn't, this isn't, it's not about me. It is absolutely not about me. It's about everybody else I come in contact with and, and trying to be a light for them. Now let's talk about, so you, you bring all these guys in and obviously that probably disrupts your, uh, little whitetail heaven for, for a few weeks or whatever when you bring a whole bunch of, uh, vets in there to hunt. But in the long run, besides the big bucks that they're taking out or the young bucks that they're taking out, how quickly do, do you feel like your farm bounces back? Um, you know, we, we always tiptoe around our properties, maybe giving these deer a little too much credit sometimes. Uh, like, oh, we're going to bump a buck and he's never going to come back. Have you seen a, a negative Im- a negative impact from having people on your farm? Uh, we haven't. We haven't. And, I, and I've done both. Again, early on, I was... It's like man, I'd, I'd tell my guys, hey, during you know, come September, we are not driving through the middle of this. We're not checking cameras every day. I mean, I, I was pretty, pretty adamant because I thought the same thing. I'm like, man, if there's you know, if that six, seven year old bucks in there, and we bump him at the wrong time or bump him too many times, what if he never comes back? But I, I felt like that was, in some ways, it can defeat the purpose of owning your own place if, if you really can't even enjoy it and we're and we're trying so hard to protect it that uh you know that we don't enjoy it and don't let other people enjoy it with us so i, I still i'm still cautious and don't want to get careless with it but but i want to be you know i, I want it to be where we can have these guys out and, and they can have the freedom to go run around and enjoy it without me having all these restrictions on what they can or can't do. So honestly, I'm just, I cannot get over the sacrifice a lot of these guys make. And it's not like they make a ton of money to go over and, and fight for us to be able to hunt and us to be able to go play baseball and do the things we get to do. And, And again, over the last few years, I've realized it more and more when I've got to spend time with them. And um, the guys we've had out here have just been incredible. There's just there's something about them. There's something about their their character, their morals, the morals, the brotherhood they have. It's it's um it's just attractive. It's contagious. And uh, you know the last thing I want to do is have them come out here and, and feel restricted. So hey, if we lose some, if we lose a two year old or a three year old ten pointer that maybe you know could have been huge. 
you know, that's something this guy who probably doesn't get to hunt that much. And a lot of them don't, you know, is going to be able to have on his wall, tell his kids and, and remember the rest of his life. There's, there's going to be plenty more deer come through. Um, so to answer your question, no, we, we have, I have not seen, and again, it's, I've, I've only been retired a couple of years. We've really been able to focus on, on having these guys come out and treat them at the ranch. Um, but we haven't seen any any negative effects on it. Uh, do you miss baseball? No, I sure don't. <laughs> I I enjoy coaching it. Um, I love working with the kids here, but I just I don't miss playing. I I really don't. I um I miss the guys sometimes. It was kind of that that team room locker room atmosphere and getting to spend seven months um you know with 25 guys and, and developing those relationships and really getting to know each other there um so there's little aspects that, uh, that i miss from time to time but no i don't you know i don't turn a game on and 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 wish i was out there anymore so and that's been good and that was really that was the, that was the way a week after i retired you know i was kind of a, a little nervous that uh i may have I may miss it or start having second second thoughts and maybe made the wrong call, but that was confirmed pretty quick that, that I was getting out at the right time. And it's been great. How old were you when you retired? Oh, I would have been 36, I guess. Okay. Okay. Which I, yeah, I, I, I retired from one thing and – started up a few more so i'm busier now than when i was playing baseball um funny how that works but yeah i know danny was danny at redneck there he was telling me you know you're big into cattle now and and what else are you fill, filling your time with besides being a buck commander um we've got uh we've got our e3 meat company so we we sell uh we sell all natural beef and you know we sell it coast to coast now um so that's, uh, we, we spent some time there. I've got a restaurant with my brothers up in uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the E3 Chop House. And then we're standing up another one now with two of my partners, uh, Jason and Luke and Buck Commander. We're, we're standing one up in now as we speak. It'll probably be open in the fall. So that takes up some time. And, and then really this foundation has been, um, has been something that I'm, I'm, really been working on now and, and we're trying to kind of expand it and, and get it up and running. Um, and that's been fun. And, and the two main things there, are, again, these, these veterans taking care of guys, bringing them out. And then the other piece, which is a whole nother topic is the, uh, is just the slavery issue, you know, the, the sex trafficking fight and, um, trying to contribute to that as much as we can. So those are kind of the two goals right now of the foundation. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you just took that type A personality that was, uh, you know, in baseball and, and just switch gears with it now, uh, which is cool. It's better than sitting idle and maybe better than rocking in the rocking chair, sipping the coffee. Yeah. I think my wife might disagree with you sometimes, um, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm leaning towards your side on that. I don't know that I, I could ever sit still. I'm still got to work on the whole balancing piece and, uh, I'm, I'm working on that now, but again, no complaints. Now, just to close out with with deer, um, besides this big buck you shot this 
uh, this past year there. What, what other uh, big deer have you shot on your property? Oh gosh, we've been well. As a matter of fact, I, I had the I had the bow record with that uh, one ninety one for a season, and um, and Ryan Langerhands, one of our owners, buck commander, came in this year and killed. Uh, oh, I think it was two ten or two eleven, and uh, and took the title back. So. Yeah, he uh, he killed a, one of our giants this year, and then uh, and they, I, I ended up killing a good one here, um, good older deer, uh, a low sixties, just an awesome wide deer. Um, lost, I think I told you, lost another one to uh, to the neighbor. Um, he was a giant. Okay. So no, it's been good. Uh, my son got to go out and uh, got to sit with him, and he was bow hunting, and he killed a mature deer. My daughter shot one doe years ago and hung it up, and said she was good. So she hasn't been. <laughs> okay, that is not her thing. Um, but we got some good. We got some really good up and comers. It's going to be. I'm already looking forward to getting some cameras out um, because we had some deer this year that we passed on that you know have a chance to really blow up. Okay. Okay. Now, is your son going to follow in the baseball footsteps? I don't know. I don't know. He's a sophomore now. I'm, I'm coaching him, and he's pretty passionate about it. Um, loves hunting too, and loves fishing, and, and all things outdoors. So, I'm not. I'm not sure what he's going to pursue yet. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate your uh, time and taking yeah. a, a few minutes out of your busy schedule uh, to talk with me today. It's uh, refreshing to interview someone who, you know, has their priorities straight. So uh, thanks for your time wow. today. You bet. Anytime. Anytime. I enjoyed it. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. It was great having Adam on the show this week. It's refreshing uh, getting the perspective from a professional athlete that is uh, down to earth. He obviously uh, thinks of others before himself. Uh, he's obviously out there still trying to make a difference in the world around him. And so hearing what he had to say about deer hunting and veterans and just life in general was great. Um, before I forget, if you could please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, uh, the Drop Time Report on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And uh, don't forget to give us a review. I appreciate you guys listening this week. Have a great day.